I love all no, cheese except blue cheese. Oh, blue cheese. I mean, oh. in certain contexts, I don't want it, but I, I, I love it. I, I, I mean, blue cheese it, to me is more period. of a cheese you put on a board, you know? Like, it's no, not I, a cheese I that you... That, yeah. And sometimes, like, on a steak or something, there's very rarely do I want it specifically on a dish, but I do but like even, it in certain dishes. But mostly I just want, scenarios. like, really good blue cheese. Even those scenarios, I, that's a hard nope I, for me, man. I like Harder uh, than fucking... I, uh, Peel. I like a firm, a firm blue cheese. I like I like a firmer blue cheese uh, with a little more spice to it. Okay. I don't I don't like the um, I like loose, the crumbly blue cheese. No, no, the crumbly's fine. Crumbly's fine, but there's the stuff that you can like spread on a cracker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I that that's a little push it a little too far. That that that, that to, to me, me even. Even as a that's non like blue cheese lover, that seems gross. <laughs> yeah, that's that's like that's like mold to me. You know that well, that's basically that point. if you can like spread it like that, it's it weirds me out. I don't like Give me that mold. <laughs> I like the mold part, but like I don't I love like penicillin, baby. <laughs> I don't like cheeses that are liquidy when they're cold. Yeah, you know I, I mean? actually like yeah, soft. So che- I like soft cheeses, so I I like spreadable cheeses. Like brie and camembert are like pedestrian. Oh, brie cheeses, is but pretty bomb. I dude. I like that kind of wet, like almost congealed spread. Yeah, no, oh, it's I one of. But that. I also like firm cheeses. I like I like cheese. Mm-hmm. I I'm a, I'm a I thick boy. Love cheese. Thick dreams. Yeah, dude, I love cheese, and that's why it's always fascinating that like I can't do blue. Like, it, I mean, blue is. I mean, blue is out there. It's yeah, it's but I'll take profile. some of the other like gnarlier ones too. Like, I mean, at least it's not maggot cheese. Oh Jesus! Oh yeah, is that, that a thing? That, oh yeah, that's yeah. A thing. It's like a Brazil. Uh, I know it's pretty big in Brazil, where it's like uh, basically like a slice of cheese that they let the the larvae just go to town on it, so that when you cut it open. There's it, there's little they're larvae there. just squiggling around. Well, obviously we can't, we can't get it here in America legally. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that sounds like hella illegal shit. It is, yeah, but you can, from what I've heard, if you know the right places, because it's, it's like uh, there's I know there's a couple dishes that are very similar in a sense that like the FDA is like, oh nope, but if you like know certain restaurants or Things like that. It says it's, they'll, they'll kind of serve it if you know. It says it's illegal in Italy and all of the European Union. So yeah, it's it's dangerous yeah. because you can you can get bugs in your system. You right? Know? They're like, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's you have to like make sure that you're like eating them and killing the larvae. You can't like there's that's that's why certain processes are certain ways. You know, I mean, it's 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 the reason in the United States most tons of uh, uh, cheeses from. The European Union are hella illegal here. You mm-hmm. can eat them there, but not here. So, well, because they they don't have pasteurization uh, and shit. The, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like the eggs. Pasteurize. Like you go to the UK or whatever, and eggs are literally in the aisle because like they don't Warm. go through the same uh, process that we do here in the US, where like they have to be refrigerated. Like it's like a huge thing. It's like. All of a sudden, you're just in the grocery store, and there's, like, a fucking, like, not even an end cap, but, like, a fucking, like, in the middle of the aisle, just stacks of fucking eggs, and you're just like, oh, that's cool. That's fucking weird. But it's, like, because they don't, their process doesn't get rid of that protective covering of the eggs that, like, when we do the pasteurization here in America, it kills that protective covering. 
so that they have to be refrigerated. Right. Yeah. But my, we also don't yeah. eat beans on toast, so. And we don't have a fucking queen that died, and now they have a and have a king. So I, I don't know what's. Going hey, on I hope that. he dies next. This is is it worse than three eleven? <laughs> Fuck the monarch. Fuck mm-hmm. yeah, dude. That's just ridiculous. Hey, hey, everybody. It's it's our mid month thing. You know what we're doing? We haven't done it in a minute. It's an Amber Alert. Wee wee. Yep. Just so people know what an Amber Alert is, uh, we decided to make up a grading system for albums we review, and we based it on 311, of course, and Amber is our highest honor that we give any album, and uh, the way we do these is one of us just kind of picks one, and then the rest of us tell us why it's not an Amber. So, uh, I don't know if that's going to happen this week. It's Brian Eno month. Right? Yeah. That's what we decided. That, uh, that it is. The guy from uh, Roxy Music. Ambient music guy. Well, we're going to be uh, talking about albums that he produced and what have you throughout the month. But the, this, uh, this is, we're going to talk about a solo work for a second. And this is one of my favorite Brian Eno albums. We're going to talk about Here Come the Warm Jets and how it's probably about PP. Pee-pee. Gotta love that PP. You know, a lot of places they charge extra for that. You guys, I'm really high. Did I mention that? <laughs> That's cool it's, in the it's game, r- man. It's ridiculous what's going on right now. Um, this album, Here Come the Warm Jets, made in 1974. It's good. I think it's an amber. It was my pick. I picked them all. Let's just do it. Just go. Tell me. What's up, guys? Did you listen to it? No, I didn't no. listen to it at all. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't. I stopped listening to Amber's. I just make up shit as I go along. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, this was actually one of the few albums uh, from Crowder's bag of I like old guys. <laughs> Check out these old guys I like. <laughs> 1960 to 1974 <laughs> the, is weird, man. The, the Crowder. The Crowder is, you guys know that classic rock didn't suck at points, and it's like, yeah, you're right, Crowder. Anyways, this album's fun. <laughs> I enjoyed this album, uh, 1974. It feels like it probably was a breath of fresh air for a lot of people, albeit it feels like it calls back many different genres and styles. It feels really sunny, like beach pop at times. It also has incredible dissonance all about. It has just weird weird elements from song to song. Like, one song in particular that, like, every single time it came out, I was like, why are there cicadas in this song? Cindy tells me. Like, there's this moment where, like, whatever he's doing with the music, it's literally, like, it sounds like a cicada, whatever synth he's using or whatever he's doing to the guitar. Um, having read just a cursory amount about this album, what I found was really interesting was because Brian Eno's a weirdo, he hired a bunch of musicians from across the gamut of music, of music playing world, including people from things like King Crimson, and was like, I'm gonna tell you how to play these songs, but I'm gonna dance show you, and I'm gonna orchestrate it, and like, oh, I he, didn't... and he also, and he also, like, used their instruments, and then, did shit to them and put them into the recording way differently. So, like, the tracks sound nothing like maybe what they would have sound, 
sounded like to the musicians and he intentionally put these people in rooms in a hodgepodge and he was like i wanted to see what it would be like having musicians that belong nowhere near each other competing for influence and i was like this makes this album so much more interesting because it's still incredibly pleasant it's really well played out even with the strange like like babies on fire is an is a four minute long solo like it's such a strange decision yeah. to make this sort of buzzing fuzzy track that sounds like it's building and it's gonna build and then they're like no it's never going to happen like the track never happens ever ever and i think that's incredible i think that's an incredible decision to put lyrics on a song for about 45 seconds and then go here's a solo normally i hate that shit like normally i think that a that's crazy solo too it's, it's so- like a double double recorded fucking like there's like two guitars sometimes playing back and forth and like stops for no reason like just stops and then it and then the build happens and it comes back into the solo it's it's an incredible album and it deserves the accolades often music critics are sort of these puffy pretentious idiots like us but i feel like they actually hit what people have to say about this album fits and i think that as an experiment it works as a genre blending masterpiece it's incredible the first time i listened to it i was like man this is basic and i listened to it three or four more times and i was like i'm wrong at completely um it's it's like almost punk rock you know like it's got like fuzzy guitars and like driving rhythms that just stay the entire time simplistic like chord structures but then you get like that's that that baby's on fire track that's robert fripp from king crimson that guy's you know, known for his guitar skills and like his avant-garde style. So uh, it, it has, it has these moments that are like rock and roll and like art rock and glam. And then it has these moments that are sort of like sing along sort of balladry. I, I mean, my favorite song is the out of key piano track driving me backwards. That's my favorite track. Hands down. It's so weird. It's dark. It's kind of creepy. It's lurking in the background the whole time. It feels like it could be like, you know, a serial killer singing to me. I think, I, I just think it's an incredible album. I think that it works and I'm not upset about anything. I, uh, I'm not upset about anything on this record. The ending is a great injury reserve track. I mean, I, I, it's good. I like it. Uh, Perry. Oh man it it was uh, it was a blast, honestly. And um, having uh, already trying to work my way through David Bowie at the same time, like really showed <laughs> yeah. like when like. Lodger and like you know like when he was actually working with Brian Eno, uh, like kind of really showed like okay like but I didn't like the the, the Bowie Eno ones as much as like this fucking album like was very uh, like Babies on Fire is probably one of my favorites, um, <laughs> but yeah. we haven't talked about the goddamn track title the Papa. Negro blowtorch. You could say it. You could say it. Yeah, I know it's a track listing. So, but Uh, I love that song. It's a song. Great. I love that crazy title. Like out of place fucking synthesizer shit that happens in the middle of it, and like. Oh Even, no! Like, oh no! Oh no! 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 And Papa! No! The the like pew whoop whoop whoop. Oh yeah, yeah. There's some really cool shit. Like, uh, but that's also it's about a real person, sort yeah. of. It's like a fake, a, an imaginary situation with a real person, and I, I think it's kind of cool to draw attention to, um, that. Even though nowadays I I don't think you should really call that 
person that. Really? Is that I, yeah? That, that's your that's thoughts right not, now. You probably that's shouldn't. Not appropriate. But <laughs> I mean, Pawpaw, Michigan. That's where. Uh, you oh, know, that's fucking Pawpaw! God damn it. That, that that's that's what if anybody's wondering the pawpaw mm, blowtorch uh that was a, a a guy that could apparently summon fire from his breath that lived in pawpaw michigan um and and they've had a hard time disproving his uh pyrokinesis because it was a long time ago so uh, i'm sure nowadays it would be easily dismissed but well, that's um, where Incubus just writes a song about it. And, oh, no, and then, uh, spontaneous human combustion. Oh, that's different. Yeah. Uh, Incubus, gross. Fucking uh, <laughs> Papa is also where uh, we record, we've recorded most of the uh, Pig Crack Records stuff and the uh, Trash Pit City stuff. I mean, a good portion of it anyways. That stuff's been recorded all over. I recorded some of that shit in the middle of the fucking air, flying over Canada, going to Alaska. You know what I mean? Uh, so. It's Canadian land. Is it? it, it that's their true nomenclature. Is uh, Canadian land? I just call it Vancouver, and then Most I forget about the rest of it. Canada is uh, France, is like like American France. pronunciation. But if you actually go to Canadian land, they all refer to it as such. Canadian. Unless you live in Quebec, then Canadian you think land. you live in France or something. I don't know. That's weird. Yeah, there's France and there's Vancouver. That's that's uh, <laughs> that's Canada, right? Yep. Right. Well, then you got Am Saskatchewan, which is literally but fuck nowhere. So that's fun to say though. None of it. What about none of it, dude. It's twenty thousand so, people that live in none of it. <laughs> is there twenty thousand people in Saskatchewan? Sask. None of it is another province, or I believe. Hmm. All I know is corner gas is fucking hilarious, but uh, that is neither here nor there. All I know is the song "Blank Frank" fucking rocks. <laughs> <laughs> that shit is crazy. Like coming out of uh, coming out of the fucking song right before it was at uh, on, on, on some, some far away beach, beach mm-hmm. that that's like. Just piano and like background singing for half the song, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, you know what? I decided there are lyrics to this song." And then it all of a sudden sounds all pretty, and then they just start screaming, "Blank it's like Frank hella is tribal the, and shit." Like, the the <laughs> messenger of yeah. of your doom and your destruction. Yeah, with like the hand jive rhythm. Yep. But like distorted, fuzzy guitars driving in the background, and like. Fucking the guitar solo on that that's like rapid fire notes that almost make no sense. That shit's dope. Shit's so good. Brian Eno's good. I think I was talking shit about him last on the last episode. Sometimes I, I don't think know, this, it's pretty this like, album was but this shit's dope. Really fun. Honestly. The next album's good too. That's uh Um Yep, that's all I got. This is good. Oh, uh, it's, it's hard to say anything like, like knowing wanna... the time that this like, the year seventy four when this coming out. Like sometimes you have to like really step back and like go, holy fuck, man! Some of the shit that they're doing is just it's it's pretty mind boggling in that sense because we take a lot of effort. <laughs> 
You know, when your thoughts get all trapped in a bottle. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> uh, but, like, the fact that it's 74, and, like, we take a lot of this shit for granted, I feel like, you know, a lot of bands, I mean, it's fucking 2022 20, now. So the fact that, like, God knows what the fuck's been done musically, but to realize that this shit's been done since back then is, it's pretty nuts to hear, like, like, very well, like, like, more so, like, in that sense that it's, like, actually driving and and going towards something as opposed to trying to be, like, mimicking, like, I feel like it's a big difference because nowadays I feel there's just that let's mimic what was been done prior. Whereas there's this big push at this time specifically where, especially out of UK, like their, their rock scene slash even their punk scene at that time was really like pushing. Well, forth. it was like, it, it was like a prog rock concept album. Yeah period you know like you're coming yep. out of that type of thing where well he's like, he got fucking dude from king, king crimson like right like the the prog rock gods oh my god basically in the court, in the court of, uh king crimson it's like one of the fucking greatest albums ever in prog rock stuff in my opinion but yeah this, like this album should be way snobbier than it is the opening yeah. track is like an incredible like, the opening track is the track that, when I first played this, I was like, oh, man, that song so well. Um, but, like, it's such a good pop song. It's just, like, a really good single. Like, if you took that, if you took any number of these tracks off and put them other places, they could belong. And what's bizarre about it is that it does feel like a disparate album in ways. Like, you shouldn't go from uh, the two somber piano tracks into Blank Frank back into uh, Dead Finks, which has, like, a really gorgeous yeah. piano line with oh no oh no being screamed in the oh background no, oh no. In, into that weird oh ending no. that's like uh just sort of like fuzzy and i this this album is incredible because it references different time periods and musical styles and does different things while still being a cohesive whole one of the things we talk about on the show pretty frequently is how people like bite off way more they can chew than they can chew and like brian eno's knowledge and willing to experiment in this case really works out it doesn't always it rarely does and so that really speaks volumes to the album and i think that you know putting this album on now it's still just, it feels fresh. It still feels fresh, and it feels like if you're yeah. listening to music today, you know someone's listened to this mm-hmm. album gone, damn, I, I'm never going to make anything half this good. So, uh, I for as much as Brian Eno's a haughty, pretentious asshole, <laughs> uh-huh. in a real way, in a lot of ways, I mean, a guy that's going to say that uh, out loud, that's a guy brought these people together so they'd fight, um, is, you know, a guy that's probably going to make a good piece of music okay, once in a dickhead, while, you know? But... He's going to make some cool art, so... Uh, it's enjoyable. It's enjoyable, and I mean, I think that you could be a normie or someone aloof. I think that there are moments that are challenging. Mm-hmm. I think some of the transitions so. probably are challenging, but like there are some tracks on this album that are just incredible al- al- tracks for every person on the planet. You put them somewhere on the top forty Billboard rock rock channel, people be like, "Oh man, that's fresh!" And it's like, "Yeah, yeah, it's from nineteen seventy four, brother." But anyway, yeah, it's, exactly. it's, a, it's, that's my, it's a charming album. Nuts, dude. I'm not usually what? charmed by an album. I was expecting this to be fucking pretentious bullshit. But uh, it wasn't. 
No, well, this is like there's not a lot of these albums out there that Brian Eno is like I'm making songs, and this is coming right out of uh, Roxy Music, and he had done an album with Robert Fripp before this, but you know Robert Fripp is uh, relatively pretentious in his own right, and it's it's a little more artsy, I suppose, a little more guitar-y show off type stuff, whereas this is like. Almost seems like he's trying to make a weird pop album for 1974. Yeah. There's catchy shit. That it's not super artistic in the sense of like, wow, well, it's like, like there's crazy time signatures and like you're just like going for this like. Yeah, no, none of that. Thing. No, it's just straight up like, wait, there's oh, this songs. is like fucking. <laughs> yeah, this is catchy as some fuck. weird shit. Yep, but yeah. weird. Yeah. <laughs> And like, well, that's the like it'll be with like the vocals and everything. Some of those vocals are almost challenging in the way that they're sung. They almost sound snotty at points, or they mm-hmm. like sound like they're distant and and spooky or whatever. You know, uh, it can be off putting the way that they they sing these songs. But somehow it really adds to the whole thing. The fact that like like with that like this like writing the line of being like grading vocals but also like keeping with a pop song and a pop singing structure and sometimes going to a nice ballady song that that you could sing perfectly fine you could sit down at a piano and play it uh by yourself you know like in front of a crowd they'd be like oh you, you played a song uh fucking the just the juxtaposition of everything that happens here um somehow it, it really works and it really pushes it up and beyond pop music and really, like, sets it out from its own thing. Um, yeah, I'm sticking with it's an amber. Oh, I, I give it an amber, for sure. Like, this thing was phenomenal in the this roller coaster of a ride. And then you literally have to step back and realize this shit was made in 74. And you're just like, holy fuck. Like, like it's so, so good in the sense of just pulling in genres and just like, I, I don't know. It, it was definitely one of those moments where it was like, yeah, okay. This is one of those fucking albums where you, you can tell there's thought and love and just like passion made into it because spoiler alert people love to make good fucking music when they're fucking talented you know what I mean? well, well and this is like an uncertain time for him too yeah he hasn't he hasn't dived straight into like going for the art soundscape thing yet he's trying to work out where he's at in his career and that's uh and this point is evident phenomenal like yeah it's Great weird. Results. It's accessible. Yep. It's got a really good injury reserve track, and apparently, it, half of it, uh, it's half of it is the soundtrack for Velvet Goldmine. So, oh, geez, I don't. Yeah. It. I don't remember if I caught that that was the track, the outro track for that injury reserve album when we covered that album. I don't think so. I, I, man, Eve, I went back and had to listen to it, and I love that injury reserve album, but that track sucks. <laughs> Man, they, like they put like like it works well here and here's the thing with the brian eno track that i did want to bring up is like even then you can if you listen to that when the drums are coming in they're like off they're wrong and it, they're like fading in and i think they kind of like he fucked with it because they were fucked up 
Like they were just fucking around on a drum set and he was like, oh no, the end of this take works though. So I better just fade this in. Like you can hear, like he keeps all these incidentals yeah. in the, in the album. And that really, I love that shit. I yeah. love the unexpected parts of, of, a of a recording and the idea that once I hear that, I think like, oh, how could I do that on purpose to incorporate that idea in my playing? You know, so like it's it's super super fun. It's super interesting that that they do that. It's a, a something you don't get from a lot of like mainstream because this is a major label album. You know, made for nineteen seventy four. Like they were accepting artsy shit at the time, but still, that was like, the stick, the, man. The record labels want to sell records. Yeah. And and the fact that he was like, yeah, you know, I fucked up that note, leaving it. You know, like rest of the takes too good, not getting rid of it. That, I, mean, I, I love that. It's daring. This this is an Amber album that has the beginning but, progression to "Can You Feel the Love Tonight." Can't go wrong, uh, uh, but the injury I reserve thing. I went back and listened to injury reserve in the, that last track. It's just like they just put these like bad fucking electronic drums on top of that riff, and it. I don't know. I just don't know. It seems so out of place. And the only thing that makes it make sense is that it's the outro track for this album, and this album rules. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, let's put it as our outro track, because that album rules. And you're like, well, you're not wrong. So. <laughs> yep. So, uh, listen to Injury Reserve. Yeah. Uh, Injury Reserve, not worse than 311. Making oh, Brian yeah. Eno better. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, injury reserve. Thanks, guys. Best Brian Eno sample ever. Fucking stepping that up right there. A career of electronic <laughs> samples. Thanks, injury reserve. Hey, I'm man, they could this. choose worse. I mean, fuck. There's so many people that choose worse ass samples, so. Can you feel Wait. the love yeah, tonight? Yeah, at least it's a cool reference. At least, at least they don't have to fucking argue about like how many dings are in theirs because they didn't sample Queen. So can you? Can are, Robert? Are you just over there singing? Can you can feel the love tonight? He is. Tonight? He totally the is. Love tonight. You know what have made that um uh injury oh, reserve song just a little bit better? Lion King. What? If it had the Lion King in it. If it had the Lion King, I agree. Ooh, so this yeah. has been, like is it worse than 311? I'm over all of this. Go to our website. That is it worse than like sex? Jesus Christ. Is it, God damn it. Is it worse than dot com? Is uh, incestuous lion sex worse than 311? We will have that website up in, in shortly here. Is it worse than incestuous lion sex dot com? <laughs> Uh, merchandise. <laughs> uh, if somebody doesn't own that at this point, buy that shit up because we're gonna buy it too. Domain name purchased. I'm too high for this. Bye. <laughs> See ya. Deuces. <laughs>